This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. See you. If you're watching by live stream, glad to have you here. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up, our ushers will get you one. Once you get a Bible, go to Malachi chapter 3, this is our tithes and offerings. Malachi chapter 3, the last book of the Old Testament. Now, as you're getting a Bible and going there, you know, when they started talking about the, the Holy Spirit burn again, you, you don't see this very much anymore. But how many of you remember when you'd get in the spring and your lawn was all dead and you would burn it? Any you ever remember burning your whole yard? You'd throw a match to it and it'd just burn it. Now, it's scary if you let that thing get out of control. Your fence would be gone like that. Maybe that's why we don't do it anymore. The whole Lubbock County would be gone. But you would do that, and you would look, and I'm telling you, your back or front yard would be toasted. It would be gone. You'd look like, oh, my God. But when the sun would come out and you'd get a little bit of water, man, you'd see those green shoots coming up. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. Within the Holy Spirit is the power to burn up all the junk in your life that needs to be junk or burned up, the junk. And then he causes the, the good stuff to come alive. And I believe he still does those things. So what would happen if you welcome the fire of the Holy Spirit? God, God moves in great ways. All right. Begin with me here in Malachi chapter 3. Now, any time that I have the opportunity to receive the tithes and offerings, I, I always like to teach on this. I, I've been on this now for days. It's like the Lord has has set on me. He's, he's impressioned me with this in an incredible manner, okay? And so it's almost like the Lord saying, you really need to get this. So he says in verse 8, Malachi 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, I want you to think about that, the words rob there, to rob someone means to take from someone something isn't mine. It's theirs. So he said, will a man rob God? Question mark. Yet he says, but you have robbed me. You've took what isn't yours and you say, in what way, or in, in what way have we robbed you? And I want you to notice something really, really clear. The Lord or the B-I-B is very, very specific. And he says, in tithes, plural, and offerings, plural. So by me robbing God from the tithes and offerings, it tells me those aren't mine. Those aren't yours. Now I can tell you, you, you can do that. You can take the tithes and the offerings, and remember the tithe is 10%. The offering is anything over and above that. But I want you to note the result in verse number 9. You are cursed with a curse. No way around it, okay? And that word cursed means to pronounce a sentence, to afflict. Actually, it has the meanings here. You have forfeited God's blessing. 
So when you take that tithe that's not yours and you take it and you use it for however you want, you've literally said this message to God, I'm going to do it my way instead of your way. Now, I know this can be very difficult to understand. But again, this is the Bible. And many times when I preach on this, people will say, but pastor, that's all Old Testament. It is Old Testament. But so are all the Ten Commandments. They're Old Testament. And people will say, well, we don't operate in the Ten Commandments. Jesus gave us two. He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and to love thy neighbor by the, like themselves. But if I love my neighbor like I love myself, I'm not going to steal from him. I'm, I'm not going to cheat him. I'm not going to kill him. Now, this one will really get you. I'm not even going to hop in the sack with his wife. So again, that all falls under every bit of this. But I want you to see something in this same chapter. Now rewind a little, go to verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. So when did God change? He didn't. Now, when I begin to hear these things, what, what is happening more and more in our lives and our society and I don't care if you're born again Christian. You, you go against this, you're going to begin to live under a curse. And what it means by a curse is it seems like everything in your life is falling apart. Don't raise your hand if that's you. I remember way back in my life, that's how my life looked like. Everything was falling apart. We had more month than money. And it wasn't pleasant. And I was around a man of God when I was in my early 20s. And I remember one day I was belly aching, complaining because of this and this and this. And he looked at me and he said, do you honor God with a tithe? And I said, what does that have to do with it? And he said, just answer the question. I said, no. And he said, you're cursed. Well, you know what? I didn't like to hear that. But me and Shelly, we begin to dig in the Word of God. And we begin to study the Word of God. And for the, about the first three, four years of my marriage, we tried to do it our way, and I saw where there got me. You know where it got me? We were broke, busted, disgusted, and never to be trusted. We have nothing. <laughs> God, you got to do something. And I can tell you this right now. Close to 40 years of being able to honor God with my tithe and my offering. I, I, I am a blessed human being, guys. I'm going to tell you that right now. So next week, I'm going to get on the blessing. But there's some of you in this room, this becomes a wake-up call, okay? Quit asking God to bless you financially when you're a robber. Pastor, that hurt. I didn't write it, okay? And I can stand before you and I say, there were days in my life I robbed God. But I thought, I'm not going to do that anymore. And man, I'm telling you guys, woo, it becomes a joy to honor God. And I believe part of the reason I'm telling you this is this, this world is getting more and more difficult. Look to God, okay?
All right, see you tomorrow. No, we're not dismissed. I'm just kidding. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We honor you. Lord, I, I pray this right now. That Father God, you would marinate every one of our hearts in this. That I thank you, Father God, through your word. You, you tell us precisely your desire. And Father God, I pray right now for every one of us that there would be a grace on us. Not only to hear the truth, but to obey it. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I know that's not easy. It'll be a great step of faith, but jump out there and trust God. Let me, let me give you a couple announcements real quick. When we remember Sunday at 5 is these, these uh, connect groups. These, be sure and come to this. Do you know there's one of these groups that is on finances? I, I had to learn finance. I mean, when I came into the world out of my mom's womb, I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. I didn't know how to do any of that. So what happened? You've got to learn those things. Come to these classes and they will help you. Remember next week, the women's conference start. You can still sign up for that. And so be sure and do that again. Uh, the partnership class is this Sunday at 11. All right. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You know, I can just tell you this right now. There were years in my life I wouldn't preach on stuff like that. You know why? They make people mad. <laughs> I don't have a problem teaching on it anymore. You know why? Because I know it's the word of God. And I don't know about you, I would rather have someone tell me what I need to hear instead of what I want to hear. And so you can, work, you can welcome the Word of God. You can say amen or oh me, okay? Bless you. I'm, I'm okay, whatever you do, I promise you. So we begin here tonight in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, if you've ever been in the Bible or you haven't been in the Bible, Hebrews 11 is what many refer to as the Faith Hall of Fame. If you went over and over throughout the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, you would see this phrase, by faith. By faith. And you would see the great men and women of the Bible that the things they did, they had to do by faith. Now, I'm going to read two verses in there. Start with me, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the, the realization of things hoped for. It, it bring, faith brings hopes into reality. And so I think a word that will help us when we talk about faith, what, what is faith? Faith would be my trust in God, but my faith is in the Word of God. So literally we could say right here, Faith or God and his word becomes the substance of things hoped for and the evidence or the confidence of things not seen. So the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Now wait just a minute. Faith is the evidence of things not seen? So you know what he's telling us here? is just because I can't see it with my natural eye doesn't mean it can't happen. So when he talks about faith as the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen, the Bible, the Word of God, becomes my title deed. And whatever is written there in the Bible, I grab a hold of that and I hang on to it, okay? 
And, and even though it may not look like anything's going on, no matter what I feel, God's working. No matter what I see, God's working. And, and I want you to think about this in, in, in light of it's the, the evidence of things not seen. We believe in things that are not seen all the time. Here's an easy one for you. How many of you believe in Jesus? How many have ever seen him physically? <laughs> so you're, you're putting all your faith in somebody who's never seen I am. I mean, when I got born again, Jesus didn't show up and say, hey, pal, here's my business card. You ought to believe? No. But I believe in him. How do I believe in him? Because I begin to read the Bible. The Bible stirs up faith within me, and I begin to say, you know what? I need to receive Jesus as Lord of my life. That's one spiritually. Here's your one physically that in this part of the world we see all the time. How many have ever seen the wind? I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. But I still believe in the wind. So again, this is what he's getting on to real quick. And so when I see the word faith, remember, I got to get into the word of God. And when I get into the word of God, the word of God produces faith in me. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want your faith to go to new levels? Keep hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, faith can come whether you're hearing me, you're working, walking on, or listening on a live stream, or you listen to yourself. Faith will come by hearing. So I got to hear the word of God. Same chapter. Verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Nothing pleases God as a steadfast faith in all that he is and all that he promises. So we could say without faith it's impossible to please him, but with faith it becomes possible to please him. So reading in that right here, man, I got to get to a place where I believe God. I trust God. How do I do that? I got to stay with the Word of God. To stay with the Word of God, it takes diligence. Diligence is something that just doesn't happen, but I believe with all my heart, you stay with the Word of God, God will start moving. God will start doing things. It's kind of like going to the gym. Man, the first day you go in the gym, you may not be very big, but you stay with it, and all of a sudden, you'll start getting those pipe eye arms. Why? I just stayed with it. That's the same with the Word of God. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. But listen to this. For he comes to God, must believe. Must believe. Must trust him and believe that he is. That he is who he says he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently or passionately seek him. Diligently. The word diligently means responsible. It means careful attention. The exact opposite of diligent is lazy. So I can't have lazy faith. 
I got to have diligent faith. And you know what? For every one of us in here, that's achievable. But I choose that. Stay with the Word of God, okay? Now, turn back to your left to the book of Luke, chapter number 5. Luke chapter 5, and we've been on this a little bit. Sometimes I've been in Mark 2. This time I'm doing it in Luke 5 just because it's a little bit different with each of the writers. And so when I get going here, you're going to realize real quick where we're going to pick back up. But I believe each time I study this, And there are truths that just jump out all over the page on. So we begin here in verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching. Now every time we've read this, no matter what book of the Bible, it mentions Jesus was teaching. I I emphasize this strongly. Isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. He was big into teaching the Word of God. The very first thing he's doing, he's teaching the Word of God. So if Jesus emphasizes the Word like this, man, I got to emphasize it. We got to emphasize that in our life. And so the Lord Jesus actually said in Matthew 4, 4, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus likens us physically to what needs to take spiritually. Man doesn't live by bread alone. So if you're like me, you, you probably eat three, three pretty good-sized meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But if you're also like me, any of you like to snack a little bit in between meals? Probably most of us. So if I feed my physical man three pretty big meals a day and a couple snacks a day, what would happen if I begin to feed my spirit man three pretty good meals a day and then throughout the day I just begin to snack on the Word of God? I think it would change us. Some of you have probably never heard this name in your life. Some of you may. It was the great evangelist named Smith Wigglesworth. Funny last name. But Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, we feed our natural man three hot meals a day. And we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're spiritually malnourished. So let me ask you something spiritually. What's your diet? How you been eating? Just a thought. So Jesus is teaching. And where he was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting by, who'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now, I believe one of the reasons he highlights these, these Pharisees is because they were more concerned about religious traditions, denomination, Judaism, than they were the Word of God. I don't want to be that way. 
I want the Word of God to be priority in my life. I mean, just where I look at the Word of God and I say, this is what your Word says, Father God. So he goes on to say, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And when I read that the power of the Lord was present to heal them, it literally means the Holy Spirit was there. Now let me give you a verse that I believe will help you understand that. In Acts 10.38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. If you get that right here, that verse, everything that the Lord Jesus did in his ministry was done under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us in here, we still have the same opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to minister. It's always interesting to me about that right there. Keep reading. Verse 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when I read about these four men here, it says they brought, and their goal was to bring in and to lay before him. And when I read this right here, to bring him and to lay him for the Lord, that was their focus, and that was their aim. Now, I begin to think about this, that most believe, and some of the other passages will reference this, that Jesus was back in his hometown of the Capernaum area. And so I believe these four guys, they got word that Jesus was back in town. And whether they had witnessed it before or they had just heard it, something triggered them, and they said, hey... Hey, Jesus is back in town. And you know what happens when Jesus is in town? People get healed. Miracles take place. And so you know what they're saying? We, we got to get Larry to Jesus' feet. Now, I don't know if his name was Larry, okay? But we're going to call him Larry. We got to get Larry to Jesus' feet. If it's the last thing we do. So right there immediately. Man, it's like, this is our expectation got to live with an expectation verse 20 now back to verse 19 and when they and when they could not find how they might bring it in because of the crowd you can't get in the ushers and the greeters are pushing them in hey scoot up scoot up we, we don't even have standing room anymore it's so crowded and I said this a few weeks ago. Oftentimes when stuff like that happens, we play into it and we have the thought, well, it must have not been God's will for that to happen. But could it be the enemy that will try to do things to cut you off for you receiving what God has for you? And so they can't get in, but look what takes place here. And they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now, this is really several times you begin to hear their goal is we've got to get him before Jesus. We've got to get him before Jesus. So they rip off the tile. And they lower him down. And there he is right there before Jesus. And, and when I read this, man, these guys were tenacious with their faith. 
They were persistent with their faith. Keep reading. And when he saw their faith, whose faith did he see? The four men. Let me ask you something. If he saw their faith, what did he see? The only thing I can find out that they, he had to see was their actions, their tenacity. They're saying, we don't take no for an answer. And so it says, when he saw their faith. Now, you got to picture this. This is going to be a whole other slant on When he saw their faith. So remember, there's a hole in the ceiling. Larry's laying at Jesus' feet. And he said, when he saw their faith. But you got to remember this. Those four men, they never set foot in that house. They're still on the roof. They're looking down. You know why they're doing that? It's because they knew. All we got to do is get him to Jesus. Just get him to Jesus. They're, I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're high-fiving. They're going to Larry's nights tonight. I'm telling you, Larry's getting ready to get blessed. You watch. You watch. And so Jesus sees their faith. But look what happens very next. And it says, when he saw their faith, he said to him, when he saw the four's faith, he looks at Larry and he says to Larry, Man, he didn't even know his name at that point. Your sins are forgiven. Wow. Now, many times I think we overlook this. The very first thing the Lord Jesus says to him is, Your sins are forgiven. You know why? Because if you're not born again, just because you get healed physically is not going to do you any good for eternity. He knew we got to get, get him born again. And so he says, Larry, your sins are forgiven. Now, I, I think oftentimes we just kind of get on a bypass and go, we, we blow that off like it's no big deal. But how, how many of you remember being a, a first-class sinner and you begin to hear the Word of God and you begin to hear how Jesus, this man, died for you and took all your sins and, and you were told He'll forgive you. He'll wash you of all that. And I remember said, dear man, that's great news. You know why? Because I got a lot of sin. Hold your finger right there if you can. Let me, let me run here real quick. I'm going to go to Ephesians 2. I'm going to read this. I debated on reading this. This is Ephesians 2, verse 8. I want you to listen real close. For by grace you've been saved through faith. The grace of God is just God's empowering. It's his gift. So you're saved by grace through faith. And not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So if you're going to be given a gift, if I was to say, Jose, I got you a gift. What do you do with a gift? You just receive it. If I was to give Jose a gift, he wouldn't look at me and say, what do I owe you, pastor? No, it's a, it's a gift. So if you're offered a gift, what do you do? 
You receive it or you reject it. It's the gift of God. That's what salvation is. Verse 9, and he says, Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't earn salvation, okay? I don't care how many Hail Marys you do. You can't earn salvation. It's the gift of God. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So before you got born again, your life had no rhyme or reason. But when you become more born again, you, you become God's poem. And you know what I find out more and more? Sin, all it does is it confuses us and it, it, it distorts us. Sin messes people up. I don't care who you are. Go, go back to Luke 5. And as you're turning back to let, let me throw this in. I, periodically, I get stuff from ministries all over the nation through the week. And I got one. I don't remember if it was last week or earlier this week. But it was like a bulletin that was out. And its concern is young males in America. Young men in America. We are seeing depression and suicide among young men beyond anything we've ever seen. It said that depression and suicide among young men is three and a half times worse than it is with young women. You know why I believe this is happening? It's because we don't listen to the truth. But not only that, we haven't, we haven't taught our young ones good. And that's not on the point right there. I'm just getting on salvation a little bit. Go back with me to the story here. And so he said, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? When we begin to reason with the word of God or what Jesus does, it causes us to become opinionated. When I become opinionated, it normally turns me away from God. That's why when you hear the word of God, I'm going to tell you right now, you just got to stay with the word of God. Stay with it. So, here we got the religious. And you know what I found out? It's a sad day when someone is going to get healed and saved and people don't like it, they get mad about it. Do you know what I realized? There's going to be a lot of times people aren't going to applaud when you get saved. People aren't going to applaud when good things happen to you. But you know what? I'll tell you right now, there are going to be some of us that do. <laughs> Woo, I'll shout with you. I love to hear your testimonies. I love when you say, look, this is what God's doing, Pastor. Oh, my goodness, I can stand up here the rest of the night and tell you all the good things God's doing. Okay, we keep reading. So they didn't like it. And when Jesus perceived, he knew fully their thoughts. He answered to them. He said, fellas, why are you reasoning in your heart? Which is easier to say to you, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? Now, here's the point off of this. 
If I was to say to you, your sins are forgiven you, is there any way that I can prove that that took place? But if I was to say to you, stand up and walk, now that can be proven. And so this is where Jesus is going with it. He's looking at him like, you want me to prove it? Verse 24, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, to restore relationship. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So the same God who forgives us is the same God who heals us. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think it's any harder on God to save you than it is to heal you? It's all God. So you know what you just heard through the Lord Jesus? You know what Jesus' desire is? You know what Jesus' will is for every one of us in here? He wants to save us. I don't care who you are. He wants to save you. His mission was to seek and to save that was lost. And number two was to destroy the works of darkness. He did all that. Remember on the cross when he said it's finished? And so this is his desire for every one of us. He desires to set you free, to, to forgive you, but he also desires to heal you. And so for time's sake, remember the Lord Jesus said to me, he said, Larry, pick up your mat and go home. Why did he want him to pick up his mat and to go home? Because he wanted Larry to testify. He wanted Larry to go home, and he wanted to tell all his family of his friends, listen, fellas, the same God who healed me is the same God who saved me, and the same God who saved me, he still wants to save you. And you know what? Some people will applaud that. Some people will welcome that. But what begins to happen is you become a living testimony for God. No, no matter what's happened in your life, God wants to move within every one of us tonight. Why don't you stand up here? I ain't get very far. <laughs> Let me ask you something. The Lord Jesus said about those four men, it said, he saw their faith. When he looks down on me, when he looks down on you, what does he see pertaining to our faith? I didn't say what he sees pertaining to the love for us, but our faith. Why do I say that? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And the only way you get born again, you have to have some form of faith or you would never receive him as Lord of life. And so something happens when I begin to say, Lord, you tell us in your word, fight the good fight of faith. You tell us in your word in Romans 1, the just shall live by faith. Through faith and patience, that's Hebrews, we, we inherit the promises. So over and over and over and over, I see this faith. And remember back in Luke 17, the disciples looked at the Lord Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, increase our faith. Help us with our faith. And so I began to look at all this, and I thought, Lord, you still do everything you've always done. 
Solomon said it earlier. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, God's not the problem. And so I just ask you to bow your head right now. And you know what? You may be here today, and you can raise your hand. You can get your little hands like you're making a cup with them. Just whatever you're comfortable doing, and you say, Father God, we ask you today, just as the disciples did, grace us to increase our faith, Lord. Grace us that we would live with an unwavering trust toward you as our heavenly Father and toward your word, Father God. That you said in Psalms 119 that your word is forever settled in heaven. And so, Lord, we thank you for that right now. And Father God, even as we pray this, we pray that through our faith and trust in you, that you would, you would create right now uh, an atmosphere, a heart of, it, of expectation. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here, I'm going to give you a quick verse. Many of you will remember this. This is one of the most famous psalms of them all. King David, Psalms 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. They prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Now, this is Psalm 23, the very last verse. King David said this. Surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So even when he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what his expectation was? Surely, surely, God, your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And it was like on this shoulder he had his goodness, on this shoulder he had his mercy. But that became his expectation. Even in the valley of the shadow of death. Man, when you're going through, just hang on to God. Hang on to an expectation, okay? Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.